We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Engage. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Oh, just one more thing. I want to go to there. Bitch! The language! Unbelievable! I love it when a plan comes together. When we buried our son, I watched the coffin being lowered into the ground. It was only six feet, but it was so dark. It was like infinite emptiness. And you and I have traveled to the far reaches of space, and yet there's nothing, nothing that proved to me that there is anything after. And I've tried to shake that. Deanna, as you know, feels everything. But she couldn't live with me feeling nothing. And neither could I, which is why I left and I came here. I was running from this, only to find it again. This is the end, my friend. And if I were you, I'd take the next few hours to get to know your son and to get your affairs in order. I'm so sorry, Sheldon. Hello and welcome to the Best Bits TV talk show, where we talk about a show on TV. Pause. This is your co-host, Will, and as usual, I am joined by Kevin. Pause. Hello, Kevin. How are you, Will? I'm grand. I'm grand. How are you? I'm fantastic. We're back for another watch-along episode of Picard Season 3 Episode 4. And the title of this episode is... No Win Scenario. Well, This one was also directed by Jonathan Frakes and it was written by Terry Metalis, Sean Tretter and Akiva Goldsman. Will I give you a synopsis, Will? Please do. Okay. The Titan has just hours of life support left. Sinking into an anomalous nebulous gravity well, all on board are doomed and painful truths come home to roost. But Crusher has noticed something in the anomaly and it could provide hope. It will require everyone on board working together and doing what they always do, to boldly go. There you go. And they did. And they did. And they did. And I'm going to come right out and say it, Will. You hated this episode. This is my favourite thing in Star Trek since around 1996 or 1997, whenever First Contact came out. It's a bold statement. This was a perfect episode of television. It was everything I wanted out of the promise of the show coming back. And I absolutely loved it. And it swept away all my criticisms of the last episode where I said that Riker should have said the thing to Picard about go be with your son. And he did in the very next scene together. Yeah. I was I was grinning to myself when we had that moment. I went, ah, either they listened to Kevin's l- our episode last week and did hasty 
re uh, reshoots over the weekend. Uh, That's uh, exactly no. how TV works. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, they absolutely did what you proposed at the end of the last episode, and it worked so lovely. It really does. It's uh, I was I was delighted when I saw when I saw that scene between Riker and Picard. I cried it's twice during this episode. Is that all? I cried five times. I don't know whether you're taking the piss out of me or not. <laughs> I got emotional once. I got emotional once. Yeah, and I'll get to it. So, what's your broad overview of the episode? How did you feel generally? Uh, generally, uh, I think this was my favourite episode so far. I had a few minor criticisms at the beginning. I had one very specific minor note criticism. and a It's probably going to be the same one as me. Probably. And then uh, the other criticisms I, I was just making note of were kind of uh, scene and drama. Uh, or, or kind of like uh, exp- maybe a little bit too much exposition in the early scenes. But all that kind of went went away as we moved forward. Well, Rafi not being in this episode and it being an improvement, but by God, it really fucking helped. It really yeah, helped definitely. not to take the action away from where the main drama was happening. Yeah, and whatever for whatever reason, everyone in this was far more nuanced and internalized in a performance, and it it just made everything feel more truthful and honest and weighty and heavy it, it just this this episode was back to back to back to back after the first exposition heavy scene back to back to back heavy weighty character filled moments that i thought were just gorgeously written and beautifully directed and it just yeah i uh, like uh, i can't hold my cards back at this stage i just thought this episode was as close to perfect as you could get with this new iteration of star trek what I think this re- what this reminded me of is the second episode of a cracking two-parter. So what's satisfying about this episode is it feels like it caps off. I know I'm not going to get ahead of myself in specifics, but it feels like it caps off a storyline uh, that which is arced across the last previous three episodes, and it feels like there's a, like a little mini story has been kind of capped off here, and I and I felt satisfied by the end of this episode. I'd finished one kind of like big one part of the story. I'd agree with that. In fact, I would actually probably add to what you're saying and saying, add to what you're saying by saying that the first three episodes, if they condense them down to maybe two episodes, these three episodes would be pretty much like perfect. But there's a, there's a few sort of like uh, filler scenes in episode two and three that I think, uh, well, there's two things. They're dead on when they say that this is one story, like one movie-like movie-like story. So it's hard for us to really criticize these episodes individually because they're also interconnected. Like what I said about last week's episode, we're having that moment with Riker saying what he did to, to Picard would have been a nice capper to that scene, but it would have diffused all the energy that kicks off this episode. Mm-hmm. So... Which gives us a great ending. It gives us a great ending. Oh, there's so many beautiful yeah. endings in this. Look, let's just get into to, into the, the flow of the story. Um, mm. All right, so it begins five years earlier, Picard on his own having lunch, and he seems a bit of a pity. He's this old sea dog who is by himself having lunch, and a whole load of cadets come up to him and start fanboying over him. And immediately I just thought, this is such a sweet scene. 
history, everything right that I was lamenting wasn't part of the TNG movies. It has affection for the characters. And these cadets mm-hmm. come up and they want Picard to tell them some of his old war stories. And uh, and he gets into it. And I thought, that's that's a nice way to, to get us back into the story. They've done it before, but I wasn't really prepared for where they were going to take it and how they were going to mm-hmm. use that. And I think yep. it's so beautiful how they do it. And this was where I feel like I really understood Picard in a way that I haven't in the movies or in the first two seasons of his show. But um, mm-hmm. so we have that little moment between him and the cadets where he reluctantly starts telling them stories and he says, you know, that it, you're nothing without your crew and if you stick together, you're never without hope. And then Cross cut that to Picard on his own, isolated from everybody. The only criticism, my only criticism, not it's not even criticism, it's just a note, right? This is And this is minor, is... Overall, the general aesthetic of this show has been quite dark, right? Aesthetically. And I just wished that they had done something in that location. I think it's probably 10 forward in the five years previous scene where he's telling his war story. It's Guinan's bar, but it's on Earth. It's on Earth, but give us give us some some element of light here, some element of contrast. You know, light. The, the, uh, just all I'm talking about is just a, a location dressing. That's all I want. Um, I like that. I, I like the, but what I'm talking about is like the whole the whole series aesthetically has got the same kind of color palette um, of this really drenched in darkness. You know, uh, all over the place. Uh, I just wanted some of that, but that's a minor thing. That's not a big thing. Um, yeah. I, I I like the contrast. Of fi- of that scene where he's hardy and he's he's kind of living on his he's sad, uh, but then the contrast of him, yeah, alone. I loved how smiley and happy the cadets were, just brimming with sort of energy and enthusiasm, and Picard just feeling the opposite, just feeling a little. Um, he's always been very guarded and, and embarrassed, mm-hmm. and I I liked it and him reluctantly being drawn out and, and sort of giving them what they want. But uh, yeah, the, the, the only scene where I felt a little um, uh-oh in this episode, apart from one exchange that happens later on, but we can get to that, was mm. when Riker is... Well, first of all, I love what they're doing, which is that they're all brainstorming and you all the crew on board the bridge, they've got mm-hmm. speaking parts, they're, they're chipping in, you're seeing that the science officer is smart, that the, the navigator is quite clever. They're all sort of like trying to solve this issue. But it felt like it was restating the issue that if you're coming into this and you're paying attention, you know what's happening. So for someone to say that we're sinking into the gravity well, or no, to say that we're falling into the gravity well, and then we're going to say we're sinking. It's like, yeah, I know, but you, you, you keep using these analogies and restating these analogies back to each other because mm-hmm. you like the turns of phrase and you like how it sounds. It's, but it feels like it's redundant dialogue. Mm-hmm. That to me feels like the writers are in love with their writing, um, and they don't need to and have all that be said aloud. And it doesn't feel true to the to the original series. They wouldn't the the, the captains uh, the the officers on the bridge wouldn't be using these anal- analogies, you know, just to themselves. It's just like no, everyone knows the situation. Everyone on the bridge bridge knows uh, that they're in shit. So it's you, a bit you more don't need to comic booky of dialogue, but I don't mind mm-hmm. it. You know, I've gotten used to it. Great sense of dread. A great sense that's of dread. That's what this has, is dread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this and really that's feels I, like... The, sorry to cut across you. Go on, say what you can say. 
I am just saying, yeah, that's one of the notes I made uh, across here. Is, is I adore the sense of dread that they're capturing and the, that, the sense of stakes that they're capturing for this, for this, for these characters and this storyline. I've just, I was so invested. Uh, I believed in it. This is a feeling we've never had before watching one of these things. There's a sense, an ominous sense that someone's not going to make it. And uh, yeah, and the fact that this show is doing such a good job of reinvesting me in all and those characters. This is after the scene. We also have Riker going to Picard, and this is where this is the scene where I feel like we said on the last episode that Riker would never do this or he'd never say such and such. But what he says to Picard in this moment, and how he contextualizes what's happened in his life and how it's changed him and how his worldview is completely different to what it was before when they used to be on the Enterprise bridge together I believed that he would have snapped at Picard the way that he did yes he admits that he's he's in a depression a grief uh, driven depression Rick Riker does I thought there was a beautiful line of dialogue as well where he says um He's travelled all over the place with Picard. But when he buried his son, he, he there was a sense of darkness that he'd never seen or felt before and that he has no faith anymore. So he doesn't believe in life after death. And they, they're both at this moment realising that this is the end. It's the actual end for both of them. Yeah. And it's he, very, it's really beautiful, especially the staging of it. They're falling into this gravity well and the darkness. They're falling into that void. It's beautifully said. I thought the performances from everybody in the cast in this episode was perfect. Like Jonathan yeah. Frakes just smashed it. Yeah, I made a note of that. I said, he's fantastic. I absolutely adore this man. Why has he not played more characters outside of the Star, Star Trek universe? I would just, I, I think we've, We've, a great actor didn't get his due he didn't get his other great roles that's what I felt coming away from this he had a beautiful line as well which he says that Diana feels everything and she couldn't live with me feeling nothing mm. it said so much in such a, a yeah. concise and beautiful way it's like if, if I'd written that line I'd be like mm, that's good I'll have to fight for that one he says what I said he should have said at the end of the last episode which is like we've only got a little while left I suggest you go and spend it with your son and Picard is so wounded by this interaction they really go out of their way to kick shit out of Picard in this episode and it just makes me love the man even more mm. yeah I I'm completely agree with you I just think the fact that we've set this episode up as what's what's at stake here what what where are these characters starting from what's the point we find Riker at what's the point we find Picard at they are both uh, lost and alone and falling into the same pit of despair. How is this going to change by the end of the episode? Which is something I kind of felt was forced on the previous episode. That's why it was one of my kind of comments. And my God, there's a change in this. And I, yeah, and I love it. We'll keep, we'll keep moving on. Cause, um, I just love the starting point of this, of this episode where, where we find these two characters that we love. We come back from the opening titles then and we're picking up almost like the B plot, which is Seven is on the hunt for the Changeling. And I loved how this felt really dark and ominous, like she's stalking around the, the halls by herself with a phaser. And uh, and I loved how it was directed. I loved the way that it, I made a note that this episode felt really authored in a way that some of the other episodes felt a little too handheldy and and um, wishy-washy. But this one felt like I love the way that they approach telling the story in this and the way that 
Jonathan Frakes had cut the action so that she's already reporting to Riker what she's discovered, which is that the ensign that uh, the changeling looked like that attacked Jack had actually been murdered. And it happened two days before they came on board. And so this changing could be anyone. And Riker basically says, okay, okay, but look, we're all about to die here and I don't want to fuck with everyone's morale. So you need to keep it quiet, but find it. What does he say? He says, go get the bastard. Yeah, he's basically, go undercover. You're undercover. Hunt down the changeling. That's basically what it was. Find find a fucker, which is all fine. I'm I'm going. That's that's cool. Okay, she's got her mission. She's gonna she's gonna hunt down the the interloper, the saboteur that's that's causing them all sorts of other strife, and also indicating that this is there's they have their external threat, but they also have this internal threat, which is good, which is cool. I'm liking that, and I like that we've brought the dominion into the story because there's nothing more creepy than having a changeling walking around the house. <laughs> See, I'm less versed on them because that was more of a DS9 thing and I didn't watch mm. that series. Not not to the extent that you did. It then cuts to Crusher, who is counting down, going like five, four, three, two, one, and then the whole ship shakes again. And mm. they, they're hinting that she's up to something and she thinks that these aren't just random, like the ship is getting struck by asteroids, but that it's a regular shuddering that's happening to the ship. And... Uh, Picard then, after speaking to Riker, comes into the scene when Crusher's doing that. I love the way the blocking is as well, where they just drift away from Crusher and over to Jack. And he says, can I have a moment with Jack? And he takes him to the holodeck. And you know what you were saying earlier on, that you think that the bar is a bit gloomy and that if they had a contrast between the ship, it'd be nice. This is where I thought, I would have loved if he took him to the 10 forward the Enterprise D10 forward. I was wondering, I, that popped into my head as well. And I, I was like going, oh, it'd be lovely if they did. They would, But then would it be too, I don't know. But I was like, oh. They did that in season one where there were scenes with Data in sort of a holographic 10 forward. So, uh, And was it 10 forward? Was it the same it was, design? It was a holographic version of 10 forward. So it'd be him and Data oh. having a conversation there. But uh, no, they, they, they kept the thread going of the Guinan's Bar on Earth and it really works when you know where the episode is going to end up between the two of them. Yeah, that's why it works. You see, that's why I, I understand why they're going to that place. I just wish, if I if I was in my last hours, right, and you have a holodeck, right, I wouldn't be going into a, a, a hologram scenario of like a really dark and dingy basement bar. I'd be going like to a lovely open field where you can feel the wind blowing across your face, uh, Picard's vineyard or something like that. But I know. And would you be naked in that field? Would you be like lying? Definitely. Definitely. Oh, I would be spread eagled. Of course, I'd be just rubbing myself against the, the grapevines. <laughs> smearing grapes all over my naked body uh, that's what I mean. it's the last few hours of my life <laughs> that's yeah what doing. I mean nobody has to go and clean up after you so you may as well just go mm. hell for leather we also had the scene where where we have uh, Seven approaches Shaw I loved looking- this scene I thought it was hilarious <laughs> really why did you find it what was what you find so funny about it I Shaw is a character who pisses me off and then I really love him and I loved him in this episode I thought Yes. But he says, hey, handsome, bang up job your friends are doing with my ship. Love the view. I thought it was just really glib and, and quite funny. And there's a, there's other moments that come up later on where Picard has a back and forth with Shaw that made me just yes. bust out laughing. <laughs> but oh, I, I like this. 
I but the thing uh, the thing I was thinking about what what's nice about this show is that we're having alternating feelings about this character from episode to episode. So in the in the episode two, I was like going, oh yeah, episode one, I was liking him. In the previous episode, I was I was kind of against him. I was like, oh, this guy's just annoying, you know. Uh, where I defended him on episode two, and now I'm like, and it's going, the opposite no, this for episode, me. It's great. Yeah, we we kind of flip flopped, and this one, I'm the same as you. I kind of liked what they did ultimately with his character in this. Yeah, I loved him in this, and. The story that he tells later on is really harrowing and it explains everything about his disdain for the two of them when they come mm. aboard the ship. But, yeah. uh, which is so, which is good because it's rather than this character being drawn as a, he doesn't like Picard and Riker. Why? Because he's got, he's got an ego and he's got attitude and all that sort of stuff. No, no, no. There's a reason behind it and it's revealed in this episode. And I yeah, like that. Yeah, that was almost like, um, and I bet they use this reference. I bet you they were in the writers room going we need our indianapolis speech that's what i thought i was like like this is a fucking indianapolis moment but it works it works i think there was a joke there that i didn't think worked though where seven says cannabis "Mm, oh pot yeah Yeah. oh yeah you mean pot yeah 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 that's just like again these are the little things that they that they're getting wrong these little flavors that they're just getting wrong in the show which is they're minor annoyances because they're getting the larger things right, I feel. But, yeah, this uh, one's got fewer little trip-ups like that. So I would have cut that cannabis line. And I also would have cut a line that Picard says later on coming up. Mm-hmm. They're like anachronisms. Yes, um, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. The next scene that comes is another standout Jonathan Frakes moment where he is trying to record a personal message for Troy. And he's, he's struggling to speak. And... I thought it was beautifully done because I was like hanging off of his every word going like, what's he going to say to her? And then he, he, he leaves it on pause to come back to it. Okay. I, I liked this scene, right? And in my notes, as I was going through it, right? I wrote this moment is kind of exemplifying what's been happening throughout this episode so far, when I, which was kind of, I was wondering if it was going to go down a negative pathway for me. And my note was, here we have Riker dictating into uh, a voice a voice note, effectively, for Deanna. And this is right for, for their character and for his state of mind. It's very interesting. But I also made a note of, oh, this is another scene of a one-sided conversation. Because for me, up to that point, there were a, we had a lot of scenes of characters talking at other characters and just feeling like they were talking just, just for the purposes of getting the plot moving forward rather than there being a kind of a a proper meaty exchange or turn in the drama in particular scenes. And I think that's just a, an editorial choice of how they are cutting up the scenes ultimately because it, it doesn't continue like that. After this point, we start moving forward. But I like what's going on here because it pays off later on. I'm not going to spoil it yet. But the fact that we have him having that one-sided conversation and not being able to finish it for me works because he's stuck the dialogue is stuck his character hasn't acted yet in the episode exactly yeah this to me worked because it's a private moment of somebody trying to navigate where they are and not being able to do it without the other person in the room Picard takes Jack to Guinan's bar there's another little funny joke where Jack says I have one question for you essentially I'm paraphrasing though but it's like the hair when did it go And Picard says, there's two things he says, though. He goes, like, you're 23, 24. And I goes, fuck, that's a hard 23, 24. He says, uh, enjoy it while you've got it. Mm. And then they try to 
they try to connect. And I noticed that Jack has a lot of the same attributes of Picard. He's afraid of his own emotions. He presents it as though I'm happier being on the outside. Me being on my own is just how I like things and that I've never needed anybody else, so I'm fine. And that is also what Picard has been telling himself for his life. But he's coming to a point in his life where he doesn't believe that anymore. And there's this beautiful dovetailing of both characters where they both realize the same thing at the same time, which is that they're both lying to, to themselves. And that what they both need desperately is each other. And and earlier on, when they're in 10 Forward, earlier on, when Picard asks him, well, asks to know more about Jack, he deflects by going into an anecdote. And you can see Picard's just seeing, seeing himself in this young man of, that's how I used to react to these sort of probing questions. I would just just sip to, sip to the side. Riker has a beautiful line later on. I just, uh, honestly, man, I think that this episode was as close to flawless as you get other than those little niggles. But there's a mo- because of what they're doing with the characters and what they're saying with the characters and how the mm. characters are all going on the same emotional journey, but in different ways and rubbing up against each other in ways that don't feel forced. It feels like it's it feels like they, they set out to tell a story about overcoming grief. And mm-hmm. like Riker says, oh, I have to find this line though because I got really emotional hearing it. And I'm going to get emotional now again because I'm tired. He says to, to Deanna, you can't hide from the pain by being alone. That is such an elegantly simple way to sum up so much about all these characters that you're retreating because you don't want to be hurt anymore and they're doing it in in ways which is just full of bravado and full of like um authority and full of like you're projecting strength but you're actually you're actually just damaged and you don't want to deal with that Mm -hmm. you're running away from it yeah there's another beautiful moment coming up and i'll i'll talk about when we get there but i suppose let's get there as quick as we can seven and shaw hash out a plan and shaw says they're in the pot, go find the residue. And she goes off on her quest. And I don't know where she goes, to, to whose quarters. So she goes to the, the end. She goes quarters. back to she goes back to the um the changeling, the original person who's the who the changelings who's who the changeling assumes their identity. You know, why would the person? changeling keep the pot in his room? Uh maybe because she knew he was dead, so it was kind of a safe spot. So she he, she was he a, knew he was dead. Or he yeah. Well Spoilers. Uh, yeah. So they, uh, so yeah, that's what I was thinking. That she just, it, it's, it, no one's going to be searching around that room because they think that person's still alive and walking around. But it's an actual fact, it's a changeling. Crusher is still onto something and she's going to reveal something at some point, but not yet. She's still working on her hypothesis. But then they cut back to Vadic. And this is the only moment where, aside from the flashbacks or Guinan's bar in the holodeck, where we leave the Titan and we go back to the Shrike and um, Vadic goes up to some sort of like water font and mm-hmm. she cuts her hand off and this blob-like thing falls into it. No, obviously. Fondue. It was a fondue set. That's what it was. Yeah, it she was. It looked her like hand it. Into a, it was disgusting. A fondue set. It was yeah, disgusting. I like this. So she's a changeling then. Yeah, she has to be a changing. I like this because we get to see an, a slightly another side of her where we've seen her in full villain cackling mode, and which I've enjoyed. And, and now she's just a heavy. See, yeah, and now we get to see her talking to her superior or boss, who's some sort of who manifest who, who 
uses her the severed hand, which transforms into goo to turn into some sort of a floating face. It was disgusting, but it was also it was interesting. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, and you see her scared. Like you see, you she goes from being like really, you know that that's that the, the, the heavy gleeful some, villain into someone saying, but if I go after them, it's suicide, and they're like, it's suicide if you don't. So go after them. Yeah, I like this. I like this. Yeah, we're getting only. F- flashes of this character but i'm invested in this character which is great there's a deeper mystery that is being slowly revealed to us and i'm i'm really curious where it's going Mm -hmm. so she decides right well okay we're going after them her hand reattaches itself and they go back into the nebula which as we're starting to realize is not really a nebula it's something else but they also then flash back five years again to picard continuing to tell his story about it's, it's very elegantly written, but to paraphrase it, it is essentially Picard. They're cross-cutting it with where Picard is at the moment with this crew that are dying, they're falling apart, they're, everybody is like scared and they're, they're facing their demise and mm-hmm. him and Riker are falling out. And he's telling a story to young cadets. He's beaming cadets about the benefit of friendship and of having trust in each other. And, uh, and that's this thing that you're hoping that these when you're writing a story and you, you want to get people like feeling like it's a World Cup final and they're, they're leaning forward and they're hoping that the penalty shooter is going to go the way of their team is that you start to if you write it well you start to feel like the guys that you're following the story the protagonists and what have you they're your team and you're leaning forward and you're hoping please just put it in the back of the net just score score and in this we're hoping that Picard will get that back that he's lost with these guys, that this crew will come together, that they realize that they've got so much history together that the trust that they've lost, they can get it back. And they're, they're using the story that he's telling to this, these cadets to sort of juxtapose what's happening. And I think it's really powerful because it, it, it makes you feel so sad in the moment, but you know that if they pull together, it'll be so um, thrilling. Yeah, and it's that scene. That 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 scene is situated next to the scene w- which you already mentioned of him and Jack in in the bar, where he's where they're contrasting their ideologies. Where Jack is very much saying, "Oh, I'm the outsider," and Picard, and you know, and Picard saying, "Well, it's kind of maybe better to be in in the herd, you know, with people you love." Some people need to be a part of something. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, and we see how Picard has come in to the, into the fold and kind of realizing, you know, it's better to be with people when things go to shit and to have a good family around you. And in this moment is the one thing that I hated. I hated, 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 hated. Yeah. But I can, I can head cannon it. You can head cannon it. You, you, you can, you can, I can make it work through your own. Right. Okay. Yeah. Tell me how you make it work for yourself. Okay. So Picard, he tells him a story about how him and Jack snuck out to go get laid with these girls and they took a shuttle and they told nobody and then something went wrong with the, the ship and they had to inch their way back. And Picard says 10 fucking grueling hours. And just mm. hearing Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard say fucking I just clammed oh. up, went like, no, no, no. It's all wrong. Yeah. My biggest note in this episode was that one word. Yeah. Yeah. I was like going, no, 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 no. Oh, this is awful. That's awful. But I then sat with it and thought, look, I'm going to have to, you've got to love something, warts and all. And this is a wart. And and 
I thought, well, I have never ever seen Picard talk to this character before who's his son. He's never been this unguarded before with anybody else. And this is the time when he's facing the last hours alive with his offspring that he never knew he had. And I took it as somebody desperately trying to connect with somebody on their level. And then I thought, no, I can understand why the one and only time that Picard would be vulgar would be trying to connect with his roustabout son. Well, all right, I'll let you away with it, Kevin. But yeah, in the moment, it just, as you were saying, if it takes you out of, it just took me out of that scene. And uh, But have I helped you in that moment? Have I helped you yeah. too? Yeah, I can, listen, I'll, I'll say, oh, I'll, I'll, it's a beautiful probably, line, isn't it, when you think of it that way? <laughs> no, you haven't fucking, you haven't put Vaseline on that big board at all, Kevin. And I'm a man for swearing, but, you know, no. But this is the Indianapolis scene where... We have Shaw who comes into the fray here as well. And he starts telling his story. Yeah, it's really interesting because Shaw comes hobbling up to the bar. He excuses himself for being kind of like off his head on meds and a bit drunk. But And that's good because it excuses why he's not as worried about being on the bridge. And he's just kind of like, I don't give a shit. And finally he reveals. But there's something else the which moment. is happening. There's something else which is happening which you should sort of like to set up where we are at the moment. Is that... Picard and Jack have gone into this, the holodeck version of Guinan's Bar, which is there to provide solace to people in these moments when the ship is doomed. And other cadets and other crew are starting to file in because they want to be together in some place that doesn't feel scary in the final moments. And I love that as well because that felt like it was expanding the mythology of Star Trek. And then Shaw turns up. Yeah. So he's got an audience. And he's saying he reveals the moment in when he first met Picard and Picard does not remember it. And it was at Wolf 359. It's a very famous encounter that happened uh, in TNG and they reference it across all of those, the Silver Age of all the series, this encounter where uh, the these Borg, this Borg ship uh, basically went into Federation space and a huge battle happened. What's good from a writing point of view is Shaw, Shaw's character is kind of mirroring what's going on with Riker and and Jack, maybe to a lesser extent, in that he's experienced survivor's guilt. He was just a lackey, a greasy, a, a grease monkey, an engineer in one of those in one of those vessels. And he was handpicked from the hundreds of people to be to to get a seat on the escape on the lifeboat, basically effectively. I think he said 50 people made it down to the life deck where the, the, there was only one escape pod left. The ship was destroyed. There was 11,000 had been killed. And then a lieutenant came in and she picked 10 of them to get on the lifeboat. He was one of them and he never understood why. He was just a dipship from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Survivor's guilt. That's what he has. Like all the cadets are like looking on in horror. Like what, why would you do that at this moment? Like to attack this old man for something which is not entirely his fault in front of his son and he says uh, forgive me at some point asshole became a substitute for charm I made a note of that line I made a note of that line it, great great it, line all, yeah it all of a sudden makes so much of how he's behaved in the previous episodes it, it makes sense he's he's having the self-awareness of like oh, I've turned into an asshole and I wasn't always an asshole I was probably a charming uh, dapper captain and I've I've just turned into an asshole it's fucking good. That's good screenwriting. He right just there. accepts that that's what 
Shaw thinks of him and he understands it and he excuses himself and he's walking away and his, his, his oh, I got to get really emotional. His son goes after him and Picard immediately goes very formal. He, he clams entirely up and it was like, thank you very much for that, that uh, moment or whatever he says, how he says it. Um, I should have written down the line. But I thought it was beautiful because he'd opened up, he'd revealed things about himself. He desperately tried to connect with him. He got humiliated in front of everybody and then he immediately retreated. And I do that personally all the time. Uh, I'm sure you've been a witness to it, but I'm a very avoidant person. So when something like aggressively heavy in terms of conflict comes my way, I clam up and I shut down and I just remove myself from the situation. So I saw myself entirely in how he was acting and behaving. Mm how embarrassed he was and how he just wanted to get away from it as fast as he could. And then Crusher walks into the scene and immediately brightens everything because she's got a theory. And I thought, you know, when you're sitting there and you're writing a script and you're thinking, you're you're trying to get these peaks and valleys of emotional moments and how you sort of string everything together. When do you bring these characters, these threesome together where they're going to solve the issue, the three of them together? It's that moment when, when Picard is like, He's just been kicked in the bollocks and now he's retreating. He's finding a corner to hide in. But Crusher comes into the scene and immediately snaps him out of it. And she is like ebullient in this episode where she reminds not only Picard, but also Riker about who they are and what they're about. And I thought they're really balancing this well. This feels like an old TNG episode, but done in a really dark and sort of exciting feature film way. And from now on out, it feels like an episode of the TV series. It really and truly does. They have a problem. She has a solution. She's come up with a solution because she's smart and she's reading the situation. She's using her her midwifery experiences and she's yeah, going. It's like the, the nebula is, is having uh, contractions, but um, yeah. But do you get what I mean though? When you're thinking about where you'd plot out these moments to happen, when he's in the down. But this episode is juggling a lot. There's a lot going on, but it doesn't feel overstuffed or it doesn't feel mm. short changed for me anyway. I don't know how you feel. But I no, I'm with it. I thought the emotional states of all the characters are very clear and very evident. And I'm not sort of like as I was with Rafi in the prior episode, like thinking that this is panto. Mm-hmm. This feels all very nuanced and balanced. And they're doing what I said I wanted in the last thing where they'll have moments where something heavy is delivered informationally or, or uh, emotionally to a character and we just linger on their face as they absorb it. It happens a few times with Patrick Stewart and stuff where he's reeling but he's not overacting. You're just sitting with him and it feels very internalised and I love that. Yeah. And there's a lovely scene after this where they pitch where they pitch Crusher's idea to Riker. And this is where I thought... Um, uh-oh, they're writing Riker like Shaw again, where he's being overly negative and he's shooting down the idea. But it led to Crusher reminding him who he was and that we've been yeah. in this situation before. And uh, and then that led into a really beautiful moment where Riker then, he addressed all the crew. Mm-hmm. I and I loved, I, I loved what he was saying, where it's like, I'm only as effective as you are. I got really emotional. Where did you get emotional in this episode? Because I'm getting emotional just recapping it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you when we get to it. Yeah, no, I didn't. I'll tell you when we get to it. Um, I'll tell uh, you what I, made me emotional was because the the episode felt hugely big-hearted. Mm-hmm. It felt like it was 
it was trying to heal these characters, and I I just found that so beautiful. Yeah, no, I I was I was with it. I think uh, once once we got out of the, I think once we actually hit this scene, this is when when uh, when Beverly is pitching her idea to Riker, and he and they have she has that conversation about like you know says if this is the end, let's face it together, doing what we do best. And I just went, oh yeah, yeah, let's just and it's kind of like yeah, we're going to face the darkness together. And I went, yeah, this is lovely. and remember this is, really this is Riker who's lost all faith after burying yeah. his son. He just doesn't believe in that shit anymore. And uh, I just thought it was really well done the way they're just like slowly just nudging these characters back in the right direction of where they should be facing. And then Picard goes to Shaw and the big laugh moment happens for me. But Picard goes to him and says, like, I need your help, despite the fact you're a dipshit from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that works. It was the one time you can swear because he's just echoing back what he's already heard. It's not like he's not conjuring himself. He's just echoing back what the language he's used for himself. So it's, it works really well there. The tension now that's been built up and how they're trying to solve this plan of of basically harnessing the energy from this uh, this, this blast, this energy wave, opening up the, 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 the shutters on the nacelles to actually harness it, to give them, uh, to allow them to basically surf to safety. All of this, doesn't all this feel like a TNG episode? Which is great, in a nice way. But uh, I got really emotional as well at the end, which felt like, they even reference it. They go, it's like Farpoint. It's like, oh, they're, yeah. they're going right back to the very first episode. They're using that as a reference point. But um, yeah, I, I, it felt classic Star Trek to me. Seven and Shaw go down to open the nacelles and then the changeling comes in in the guise of Crash LaForge, Jordan LaForge's daughter. And as Shaw said, they can imitate them, but they don't know what that person would know. So they can be tripped up with basic things that they, they should know and they get wrong. Seven says, who am I? To uh, Crash LaForge and she goes, Commander Hansen. And she blows her away. And Shaw's like, why did you do that? And She's like, because... Crash LaForge would call me Commander Seven out of respect. And that said to Shaw that she likes to be called Commander Seven. And then you think back to, well, he was almost killed by the Borg and that's why he wouldn't want to have her be called her Borg name. He wanted to call her a human name and all these little tiny little moments behind the, the story uh, start to all make sense. And they're all on the bridge, the rest of them. They open in their cells. It floods the ship. And they basically get to surf their way out of the nebula. So that should be all the plot stuff. It's great. And, and you know what a moment that I genuinely had a giddy, a giddy laugh with is when, as they're surfing the way out, I flipping loved them swapping seats and, and Picard getting the, the getting the helm. And yeah, he basically and he and he basically mirrors that anecdote that he told Jack earlier on that he had with the other Jack about them flying blind and Ricard is just judging on instinct and telling him how much trust they need to give in this direction and down and up and that. That's really cool. And then at the very end, they see the, the Shrike, you know, about to cut them off and Riker turns on a tractor beam, grabs an asteroid and fucks at that Shrike. <laughs> it would, in other hands, it would be goofy and awful, but not in this occasion. It because you can so tell they're well. having fun. Like when Crusher says... Will, did you just throw an asteroid? And he goes, you're goddamn right I did. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, that's great. I love it. But it's also going yeah. back to what she did, where she threw the fucking, the, um, the ship. Uh, crusher ship at them. 
Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it came out of the blue, it would have been what? But the fact it was already the idea was planted in his head, so I'm just trying to rock back at her. It was great, great stuff. It was tense and, as well because they were flying blind, and, and Picard was the one that was like doing it, where it was like a little to the left, a little to the right, and they're all working together again on the bridge. You, you get, yeah, you get the sense of like it's a team effort. It's never one person. Yeah, but, uh, um, it's great. And then there was this wonderful after they. They see because it was the last pulse, and after they see the consequences of this, these contractions, they see the birth of life, which are these luminous, glorious jellyfish things. A whole star yeah. system of new life, and yeah, it's really nice. And Beverly Crusher has this. There's a great exchange between her and Riker, and Beverly Crusher says to seek out new life, and Riker says, "I think we should boldly get the hell out of here." I just went. It was fucking. It was That's great. the kind of humor where I like it, where it doesn't feel like yeah. it's um, it's like the cannabis joke. Oh, but yeah, this yeah, is yeah. also then it's it's they go back one last time there's almost three endings to this episode and two of them are like emotional endings and then there's one which is like teasing a bigger mystery mm. but the first one is you get to see the payoff of the story with Picard where he's talking to the cadets and it, it's tying up everything where it he's talking about the value of the crew and the friendship and at times they're looking around at each other and realising what they've done and to Riker what I thought he was recording the rest of his message. Diana is on FaceTime with him. And, yeah. And that line was, that I said, you, he says, you can't hide from the pain by being alone. I thought it was beautiful. Those two moments, those two scenes. But then they cut back to, um, they cut back to Picard and there was a reveal that took my breath away, which is that when the cadets start to slightly disperse, you see that Jack is there. So Jack did seek him out. And he asks a very loaded question where he knows that that man is his father and that he's had no contact with him. And he says to him, yeah, you say all that, but did you ever have any real family outside of work? Mm-hmm. And for Picard, that's a really hurtful question. And he doesn't know that he's speaking to his son, but he, yeah. he protects himself and says that, the Federation was the only family I ever needed and you can tell that he doesn't believe that yeah. but I thought it was beautifully done because yeah. they both hurt each other without intending to yeah. do you know what I mean where it's like it, I love so well written where what Jack just said to Picard hurt him deeply and what Picard said to Jack also crushed him and uh, and little did they know what what they were saying to the other was going to land the way that it did and I thought oh god that's so fucking beautiful and and I thought this is such a magnificently written episode of television and I'll forgive it its sins up to this point because this was just my favourite story with Picard in a in a long 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 time yeah and it makes what, what I'm liking about this show and these new characters that they've added in is that they're just not they don't behave the way they behave just for the sake of it, just to be cool or just to be whatever or be aloof or just be distant. No, we've got that fucking moment where in the previous episode, Beverly Crusher said, I gave him the option of seeking you out. Guess what? He fucking sought you out. And Picard took that question of like, you know, oh, do you ever think about having a family? And thought he would answer by playing to the crowd to say, Deflecting. no, all you, yeah, defle- all you need is, uh, all you need, Starfleet's your family. You don't need anything else. Did you know he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, in his, Deep he doesn't believe, doesn't that. believe that. Yeah. 
and but it's devastating to Jack. You just know it is absolutely devastating to him, and it's uh, yeah, I, I I loved it. I just thought it was lovely, and the end of this episode just really, I just I was elated. I was as well. I was like buzzing. Yeah. Usually we don't tell each other what we thought of the episode, but I was like across every group chat that we have the discord whatever just saying this was fucking fantastic mainly because i didn't want to come into this and, and it to be um it to be us uh negging a show uh, after after he just made me so emotional tearful multiple times throughout the episode because i felt like the the intention of everybody was so pure and at times yeah. the show has felt cynical some of the scenes in the prior episodes have felt cynical but this one felt so pure and so important and I loved it and then it ends with this little stinger where Jack is on his own in his quarters in the mirror still a little crushed about everything and he has a sort of a waking nightmare and he's seeing destruction and a red door opening and there's voices whispering and one of the voices says Jack find me and it's a woman's voice and I have no idea what that, that means or where it's going I've no idea either I'm like going okay I, 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 and I didn't care because I was so elated I just felt I'd watched a great fucking episode of Star Trek I got scared I though like, because I thought Jesus Christ if they reveal that this is not Picard's son I'll be fucking furious ah uh, no if it's a changeling or something at the end then I'll, I'll be like no you can't do that you can't give him everything and then take it away um Oh, but the Will, Dominions are fuckers, though. Yeah. I think we can wrap it up here. Yeah, it was a long one. It was a long one, but I felt like this episode warranted it. Yeah, oh, listen. Honestly, best Star Trek episode of all the series things I've watched uh, in this recent iteration. Jesus By Christ, a, they better keep going at this level now. They can't slip back. Yeah. I felt like it was a... How, how can they top this? Like, this is the thing. Like, you know, I, I felt like that was the final episode of the season. Uh, this is episode, it, does, episode four. It, feels like, it feels like a season finale. Um, yeah, that's why I said this feels like a, a great episode two of a two-parter. It makes me worried, though, that this is going to really rip the heart out of me towards the end because it, it feels like when they when they have a target and they hit it, it really, it's devastating. Mm. So I've heard that the, the last episode is massive in terms of spectacle. So Give I'm assuming... I'm assuming that it's going to be um, catastrophic in in ways in all ways that that word can be used. I'm looking, anyway, well, I'm looking forward to it because I, I feel like well. they're 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 tying. Th- what I like about this is it feels like they're tying things up. They're not just throwing stuff out there for the sake of it. It feels like they're connecting they're connecting the dots back within the series, but also deeper into the previous series, the previous iterations of the shows. So they're making I, this they, matter. Yeah, they've earned my trust with this, uh, with, the, with these four episodes, ultimately. Well, Will, it was great to talk to you. Picard yes. is out at the moment on Amazon Prime and on Paramount Plus. You can watch on the app or whatever. Uh, we'll be back next week for episode five, which is called Bounty. Hey, okay. Looking forward to it now. Good to talk to you. All right. Cheers. Bye. Hello. 
During the recording of the episode you just heard, Will told me a personal story about loss that was quite moving. And I didn't think it was appropriate to put it in the middle of the chat about this sci-fi show. But I also felt it was, I felt that it was worth including on its own. And this is just a trigger warning that it has to do with the loss of a child that was something on his mind when he was watching the themes of this episode that we just watched play out. So I'll include it here. There was a moment here where I really got choked up and it reminded me of something in my own life. It was a very, it spoke to me. It really did speak to me. And probably in a similar way that the other scenes with Gerard earlier on spoke to you. Um, that experience of see, having seen Riker go from the, the black void and then experiencing these jellyfish in this that's born from this black void. Um, I suppose it's a good, I'll share it because it's, it, 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 it's, it's, I suppose it's, it's honest to, to how I reacted to this. When a couple of years ago, uh, Karen, she had a late, late miscarriage, right? And it's an awful experience. It's an awful experience where, you know, you, you've, she has, she still has to give birth. And, uh, we spent the night in the maternity ward with the, with our dead daughter, you know, so we got to spend the night in the maternity ward. Oh, it was a daughter I never knew. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and so we, we stayed there for the night with her in the room, but you're on the maternity ward, right? Even though you're kind of protected by a few doors and all that sort of stuff. And I remember sleeping in the room because I had a little cot in the corner and I remember sleeping there and I remember just the, the sense of like, there's three of us in this room and my dead child is beside me. And, um, it was, it was very sad. It was very sad. It was so dark. And I remember hearing through the doors, I remember hearing a child, a bit a newborn crying. And I remember feeling such, I suppose, such happiness in hearing a child crying, in hearing new life is born, you know, still, you know, that even though, yeah, we've experienced great despair to experience like, you know, that, you know, it was lovely. And I think I related to him. I didn't know that story, Will. I knew some of it, but I didn't know it to that extent. And that's heavy. But what, why, why, but why I'm bringing it up is because it, because it felt, it felt very honest in the scene, even though you're talking about Riker looking at space jellyfish. It's space fucking jellyfish, but it could be a, 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 new, a newborn lamb being born or a, or a cow. There is something miraculous in seeing and experiencing and being around new life being born. It is reinvigorating and it is recharging. And I don't care what age you are, whoever you are, being around new life is beautiful. And it's it's amazing thing. And so I loved, I loved where they, and where they took his character in this. And it felt so fucking true. It felt so true and so lovely. And I'm like, I'm going, oh, it's lovely. And the fact, <clears throat> and the fact that they didn't, they weren't cynical in that moment. It was just Star no. Trek being Star Trek, where they were all looking in, in awe. But um, and then they cut back to, oh, you've fucking ruined me now, Will. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of you because I know how far you've come in the last couple of years, and uh, 
and I'm really happy for you. Now you've got Chloe. So, you know, that light plus, um, that's exactly it. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode plus 100 more are available on their Patreon. Mini bits. Another new episode. Of this Patreon podcast. Exclusive. The best bits podcast with Will and Kevin, how are you? Hi, honey. How are you? Oh, you know, I've got this. I've got my corn sorted out. I went to the Chiraptus the other day and uh, she Your said... corn? Uh, my corns. Did you, ever get, did you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is? Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it? Yeah, like in between your toes and stuff like that. Do, um, you, do you not wear any shoes like around the house you walk no, barefoot? No, I, I, I wear... No, it's the opposite. GA shorts. It's the opposite. I wear incredibly tight shoes. Like those Chinese women oh. who get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like, you know, before the turn of this yeah. last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great opener for a mini bits episode where we get people disgusted. <laughs> Squally, it's episode 73 of the mini bits. <laughs> I'm Kevin, you're Will. This is yeah. our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. Yeah. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode and then every so often it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode and yeah. I'm like what did we how did we say it what did we say on that episode that's different <laughs> to the other 270 episodes maybe it didn't sound as desperate maybe we said don't jo-. maybe reverse psychology that's how we should do it reverse psychology don't join up to our patron don't it's <laughs> You don't des- Everybody cancel. You, you don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look of you. you. We don't We don't need anybody. <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people, we, we did, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't say it on mic, especially so early. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did. Yeah. And uh, how do you think yeah. I, how do you think I did? I, I I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once. So I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. But, you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with, did they do the examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And, and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They were, they were profiled in the Guardian as well. Yeah. But we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. we don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So um, uh, listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're, 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 you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG <laughs> listener before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his Patreon dash. I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Goes with Prince Albert. <laughs> Your hat? Yeah. I Speaking want of, of the, which. I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. 
so I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh, uh, yeah. Bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like glitch. Yeah. Like starlight twinkle. <laughs> Speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, what, we, what, did, what did you want to speak of? Which? Start the timer. Oh, I forgot. You may as well. Start the timer. They, all, all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after. Yeah. We, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to thing. watching that. Very okay. Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And right. um, what else did I see? I made notes, but sure. It doesn't really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh. takes your fancy. Okay, okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So, um, I'm well, the Joker Two trailer came out today. I saw it. Yes, I watched that. Hmm. It reminded me of Chicago. Yeah, it's kind of like you see. It's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, look, hey, listen. Uh, I, I actually what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch. <laughs> rewatched the Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was a kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go cinema. back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show, the Joker episodes. Oh yeah, that's going to be... Just to fill me in like on the lore. You know, get up to <laughs> speed. Get you right up to speed. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be there going, where Where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? Where, where are they going to show up? And like, It's you know, a weird time though where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of The Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which is in its own universe entirely. Mm. And then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just, I don't know. I'm kind There's of so many IP. But like it's this, just everywhere. What, well, what's happened is the world, the comic book world has very much entered the, the film world. Is where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors, and there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff. Oh, oh, it's this is the thing, insane. Kevin. So <laughs> I'm only catching up on this. You mentioned it to me on a on a pod, on a podcast. What was it on one of those? Uh, it was the last. Show? It was the last mini bits. Uh, you, you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently, and have you started noticing it though? Only, only, only with people trying to raise you. That's the only type, only where, place where I've noticed people. No, people under sort of trying to every, raise you. Oh my god! Oh my god! I could start posting now, like um, tweets, comments, TikToks, uh, articles, anything. Insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. I was okay. like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay, <laughs> it's just it's it's everywhere. And the other, th- do you know the other thing that's also bothering me lately? Wow. Wow. And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly whatever. They were just, they were morons. But no, I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word. A-L-O-T. A mm. lot. Where has, where have they gotten into their heads that a lot is one word? It's the same way that people will write every time as one word. What's the one that you've you've pulled me up on a few times and I can't get it right? Compliment. Compliment. I can't, <laughs> but I can't get it right. 
It's like the eye. Because I told you the other day. Yeah, and I went searching for it and I couldn't find it because I had to actually had to an, use it. If there's an eye in compliment, it's yeah. I'm paying you oh, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was I found myself writing the word compliment. And I went, shit, Kevin. But, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment, I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the I is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you it's a compliment. It's insane how little you can retain information. It's insane. <laughs> Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. You know, I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start I have the timer, like, I have a whole it's... fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Here. Okay. Jesus Christ! Where's my fucking? What? Where's my ding dang ding? Here we go. The timer has started. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Okay.